In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We've just heard in the Gospel five short parables of Jesus, the parables of the mustard seed, of the leaven, of the hidden treasure, of the pearl, and of the net. These five come from Matthew chapter 13, where they are part of a larger block of parables, and Jesus' commentary on the parables themselves and on his use of them. Our five short parables are interwoven in the gospel with the parable of the tares and its explanation, on which Father Marsh preached so perceptively last week. In their original context, then, after the first two of our five parables, the evangelist comments that all this Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. And St. Matthew goes on to say that this is in fulfillment of the psalmist's words. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. That scriptural citation points to the paradoxical nature of the parables. That is, they are revelatory, but indirectly so. Like riddles, They disclose their hidden treasures only to those with ears to hear, only to those who allow themselves to be worked on by them. Some lines from the poet Emily Dickinson are helpful here. She says, tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies, too bright for our infirm delight, the truth's superb surprise. This is what the parables do. Jesus uses prosaic images to disclose hidden depths, to tell the truth and tell it slant. This morning I want to consider with you the first two of our five parables. Not the first two, but two of them. The parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl. These two are closely related. They rhyme with one another, as it were. Let's listen to them once more. Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. What do you notice about these two parables? Do you see how they share a similar structure? In both, a man finds, unexpectedly it seems, something of surpassing value, so much so that he is willing to sell all that he has to acquire it. In both, Something is discovered which exceeds the man's expectations. In the first parable, the parable of the hidden treasure, 
you get to the sense that the man more or less stumbles on the treasure hidden in the field. You don't get the sense that he's out there with a metal detector or with an ancient map with X marking the spot. Rather, he's just there going about his business. Maybe he's just on a walk, or maybe he's an agricultural laborer toiling away in the fields. Whatever he's doing, though, his discovery of the treasure is unlooked for. It comes as a complete surprise. He greets it with astonished joy. In the second parable, the surprise is there too. But this time, the man finds what he has been seeking, just more of it, as it were. He's been looking for goodly pearls, that is, your standard issue good quality pearls, the sort you might find in your mother's necklace, the sort of thing he would have encountered countless times before in the course of his business. But then, against all expectation, he comes across a pearl that is unlike any he has ever seen, one pearl of great price. And this merchant man, this worldly, prudent, level-headed businessman, is so taken by the beauty and the grandeur of this one pearl that he, abandoning all his hard-won business sense, went and sold all that he had and bought it. He is so overwhelmed by the pearl that he gives everything he has for it. Nothing now matters to him more than this one singular pearl. Now, in both parables... A man finds something unexpected. But there's a sense in which the treasure and the pearl, they are what find the man. It's almost as if they are lying in wait for him, ready to catch him unawares, waiting for him like a fisherman's lure. And here I think we come to one of the deep truths these parables disclose. Something that theologian Simon Tugwell says expresses it well. The life which Christ brings us, he says, the life of fellowship with God does not consist in our drawing God into our world, but in his drawing us into his world. He can get us hooked, Tugwell says. He is, after all, a fisherman, so that even though we may kick and scream and try to get away, he will at the end be able to land us safely at his feet. The surprise of the treasure and of the pearl point to the way in which the life of the kingdom, the life of fellowship with God, consists in God drawing us into his world. Recently I experienced something of this in a small way, in an encounter with a book. In fact, the very book from Simon Tugwell from which I've been just quoting to you. I was on a retreat earlier this summer at the Monastery of Christ in the desert in New Mexico. You should go there someday if you're able. And I was browsing the bookshelves in the guest house and I came across this book at random. But I don't think there was anything random about it if you see what I mean. The book caught my eye and I started reading and I found myself hearing exactly what my soul needed to hear at that moment. The fisherman had hooked me 
with a little book. It's a small example. Maybe you too have experienced something like this, in which God has drawn you to himself in a similarly unexpected and unlooked for way. Look again at our two parables. Notice how in the parable, neither the treasure nor the pearl are means to an end. They are ends in themselves. In both parables, the man sells everything he has to acquire them. And significantly, we're not told of any use the man wants to make of them. The man simply sells all that he has for the joy of possessing them. He will not use the treasure. He will not use the pearl. But he will simply enjoy them, simply delight in them. That is to say, they are entirely sufficient for him. They are enough. Having them, he is content. He wants nothing more. With this, I think, coming to the deepest truths of these parables, namely that the treasure and the pearl express what's been called the doctrine of the entire sufficiency of God. That phrase, the entire sufficiency of God, again comes from Simon Tugwell. I'll let him explain what he means by it. Christ Jesus, he says, does not come in strength, but in weakness. He chooses the foolish and weak and unimportant things of the world, things that are nothing at all, to overthrow the strength and impressiveness of the world. That is why, if we keep clamoring for things we want from God, we may often find ourselves disappointed because we have forgotten the weakness of God and what we might call the poverty of God. We had thought of God as the dispenser of all the good things we could possibly desire. But in a very real sense, God has nothing at all to give except himself. In coming to us in the humility of the incarnation, Tugwell says, what Jesus is essentially doing is, as he puts it, giving himself, giving his own life, giving his own spirit. That is the gift that he gives us. If we forget that, if we forget the poverty of God, then we shall keep demanding everything except the one thing that he has got to give us. Whatever our problem is, whatever the anxiety we bring to the Lord, he has got only one thing to say, only one answer, himself. Again, Tugwell says, God has only the one thing to say, which is himself. He has only the one thing to give, which is himself. And he invites us to hear that word, to treasure it in our hearts, and to find in it the source of all our bliss. He wants us, quite precisely, to enter into the joy of our Lord. All that to say that in these parables, the Lord Jesus shows himself 
to be the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price. He is enough. He is not a means to an end. He is the end itself. He is entirely sufficient. Having him, we will lack nothing. They say that St. Francis of Assisi used to pray a very simple prayer, sometimes all night long, repeating the same simple prayer. My God and my all, he would pray. My God and my all. My God and my all. This is a prayer prayed by a heart that has discovered the entire sufficiency of God. A heart that has been drawn up into God's world. A heart that has found the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price. My God and my all. May our Lord give us, give me, hearts that truly pray this prayer. May Christ our God get us hooked, drawing us up into his world, leading us to desire nothing more than himself, showing himself to be entirely sufficient for us, overwhelming us with the all-surpassing gift of himself. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is nothing upon earth which I desire besides thee. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.